who we are today because of you, Lord. You sustained us this far, O King of Glory, God. There's been some things that have gone in our lives, O King of Glory, from COVID to the fires that uh, people are experiencing, God. But Jehovah God, you continue to be faithful, King of Glory, God. Father, it is true, Father, you said through, we walk the valley of the shadow of death, Father. We fear no evil, God, because you are with us, O God. And Jehovah God, it's an amazing thing to see these things come alive. The word, your word come alive, O King of Glory, Father, that we can live it and say, yes, I can identify personally on what you've done, O God. That's the God we serve, and we are so grateful, God, that we can even assemble here today, God, to worship you, God, to hear your word, O King of Glory, God. I pray, God, that our hearts will be ready, O God. The Jehovah God, this word will go forth, O King of Glory. I pray that it's a simple word, O God. The Jehovah God, it will, be, it will be simple for us to ingest, O God, and for us to hold in our hearts, O God. I pray, Jehovah God, that you may use me as a tool, Lord, so, Father, your people can hear directly from you. We praise you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> Say amen if you've ever been ashamed. Amen. amen. So the title for today is, I Am Not Ashamed. And um, the dictionary um, defines shame as a painful feeling or humiliation or distress caused by consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. I know I've done foolish behavior where (laughs) I have been ashamed. Uh, Whether it's shame from you or from somebody who was trying to shame you or you shaming somebody else. Amen. I I had that like really low. Yeah, you guys, I know I've been part of that. And, And so... What shame does to us, it lies to us and make us, ad- it make us not to address the issue at hand. Because sometimes whether it's you who's shameful, your reaction, is, your reaction is not, oh, I have remorse. Your reaction is, I look bad and I feel bad in front of people. Or what are people thinking about me? Okay. Right? So it makes us to lie to ourselves and not to address the issue at hand. Shame brings guilt. And it's not the guilt of uh, reconciliation or guilt of, hey, I did something wrong, I need to change it. It, it brings to, I don't want to be seen, I don't want to be around people, I just want to be on my corner. And as we know, the, you know, as we know that I, the devil loves isolation. Because if I can isolate you, then I can conquer you, right? So most of you guys, I know you felt shame and same thing, whether it's small things or big things. And so today we're going to be looking and trying to think, to, uh, looking at Hebrews 2, 5, 13, and see what the Bible says about shame. Because shame impacts how we behave, how we interact, how we perceive ourselves, how we present ourselves before God, what God talks about when he talks about shame. So we're going to look at that. So Hebrews 2, 5 to 13. Okay. For it was not the for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere else. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his outside his control. At present, we do not see anything in subjection of him, but we will see him who is a little while was made lower than angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom 
by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, would make the foundation of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and he who are sanctified all have one source, that it's, uh, that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will, t- I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing praise, your praise. Again, I'll put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children of children God has given me. So, this verse is saying that God cares about man, that he made him a little lower than angels, and crowned him with glory, and put everything under his feet. So that was the original power where God went and he created Adam, and he put everything under his control, right? You guys have read Genesis, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, And then it talks about God gave him full control of everything. But due to the sin of Adam, when Adam was kicked out of the garden, we no longer see everything that was subjected to us. But then God had to come up with a different plan, or it was already in plan, but he came up, Jesus came, and he now had everything subjected under him. Note A little note here. God gave gave man control over everything. And he wasn't, he wasn't going to go back on his word. So he had Jesus become a man so then he can take that control. And now everything is under the subjection of, of Jesus. Okay? Because God cannot say one thing and then change it and become something else. So you have to track with me there, right? Verse 9, it says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than angels, namely Jesus. And this is where God, you know, Jesus is made man, so then he can take that. Crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So through Jesus' suffering, there is a restoration of the, 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 the original plan of God. And a man has a relationship with God, and he has everything under his control. Jesus is the foundation of salvation, the sanctification. Jesus, and then what I love about this verse, and that's why we got a little bit camp uh, there tonight is, Jesus is not ashamed to call those who are sanctified, who are made holy through the blood of Jesus, brothers and sister. That is you guys. He is not ashamed. So my question for you today, or the, uh, the, my first point is, who are you? Who am I? Have you really ever taken a moment, not, not who are you in the title of the things that you do or the people you have or the things you have, but you ever thought about who are you really in the, when God looks at you, who are you? That even though God knows our heart, okay, God knows our heart, he still desires to love us. He still desires to put everything he's made under subjection, of under our subjection. It's kind of like you guys with the most precious thing, whether it's your home, your car, your clothes, your jewelry, your all that stuff. All those things, you take them out and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to look for the most vile person and I'm going to put all those under them because I trust them. Who are you? That God is mindful of you. Right? Hebrew 4.12, it says... For the word of God is living, is living active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, the joints of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. God knows your intention of your heart. 
He knows what you're thinking. I might come over here and say, this is who I am. And look at me. I, I can talk Christianity. I can do all these things. I can walk in all this way. But God knows the intention. Even before you decide to do what you want to do, God already knows that. Yet, he chooses you. He still loves you. And he still wants you to be responsible for his creation. Who am I? Yet he calls us his friend. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servant, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friend, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So not only is God saying you are my friend, like a Facebook friend, where you hide some stuff, and you don't show them other stuff, right? You only bring the front page. He's saying you are my fr- you are not even my friend, because you are, um, I call you, I call you, one minute. I call you friend. Yes, that's servant friend. I call you friend because I share what is in my heart. I am an open book of what you, everything I want, I share it with you. That's the God we serve. So the next minute you're wondering who you are and you're wondering why God loves you and you and you feel like, oh man, I have nobody here or I'm alone. Remember that God calls you friend and he holds you that dear. He cares for you that much. That he sent his son to come and die so that we may be restored. See, the Bible says here, Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother or sister, even though he knows your heart. Even though he knows my heart. He's not ashamed to do that. John John one twelve says, But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. That's you, brothers and sisters. When you believe in him, you have the right to be called a brother and a sister. But see, the thing is, the devil is not going to come and tell you all those things. What he's going to do, he's going to give you shame. And shame keeps people from their true identity. And if I can rob you of your true identity, that's why I started with who you are. Because if you do not know who you are, if you are shameful of the things that are going in your life, and then you forget who you are, then I can direct you in any direction that I want. If I can strip you of your identity... If I can take out everything that you know and all the things that you know, then I can put a new identity on you. And that's what the enemy does. And one of the best ways for him to do is to take that shame and put it on you because of something you've done or something somebody has told you or something that's going on in your life. And then you become something different. And now the devil has you and can label you whatever you want. If you look at the Bible, um, most of you guys or all of you, the, the, the prodigal son story is a very perfect example. There's a man with two sons. The youngest uh, demands for independence. He's like, I can do it on my own. I'm just going to go ahead and do whatever I need to do. He parries and, and he parries all his money. And when he's broke, then guess what? Life starts teaching him a lesson. There's a famine that comes in the land. He has nothing to eat, so he's looking for a job, and, and he's looking for stuff, and the only thing he can do is hang out with the pigs, because that's the only job he can find. And being a Jew, that was one of the most dirty jobs that you can ever do. So in other words, the Bible is saying that there was a time when this guy right here had everything, the protection of the father. Had a protection of the father, everything was going well, and he got to a point where he says, I do not need you, and I'm going to go do my own thing. And he went and did all those things, and it felt good for a moment. But then, things started getting really, really bad. 
And he had to go to his lowest point. He had to go to his lowest point. And so what he did, he started cleaning the swine place. And, and they say, uh, some, I think the Bible says that he thought of eating it, but he ate it. So it's somewhere in there. But anyway, if you're even thinking about eating, it's really bad, right? So he, he got to that point. And then it says that he came to his senses. See, sometimes we go to such low places that we find ourselves in places where we say that we'll never be. We are disgusted by the things that we, we, are, we were before disgusted by the things we saw people do. But then we get to a point where we walk away from Christ and then we find ourselves in that place where you are disgusted because of what you've done. And the devil takes you and keeps you there and says, guess what? Nobody's going to accept you. Nobody's gonna be, nobody's gonna accept what you're doing. Look at where you've been. You're the one who was talking about these people, but now look at what's, look at where you are. You are not any good. You just stay right where you are. You try to get out, and just when you think it's getting better, just when he was, just when he was running out of money, then there was a drought. And you try to get out, and, and just when you're about to get out, and there is hope, then something else comes your way, and the devil pulls you even down, more down. See, I think that's an issue, but that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is when we let shame keep us prisoners in such an area for such a long time. When you allow shame to keep you a prisoner of where you are, that is the biggest issue. Because we have seen that Jesus calls us friend. He, ha- he is not ashamed of us. And so if he's not ashamed of us, it doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what's going on. We can still come home. But if we allow that shame to hold us prisoner, then we can never get out of that place. See, my friends, there is hope. The Bible says that the prodigal son came home, came to his senses and wondered, how many of my father's servants are eating well and they have all they need? He said, I'm going back to to be a servant. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's going on in your life. But some moment, coming back to something less under God is way more profitable than being out there by yourself. It doesn't matter what you have out there. See, I love that when he was, he was coming back, he, he created a speech. He's like, Dad, I'm, I'm going to be a servant. I don't deserve all these things. And he's playing all these mind. And like you guys, whether it's your relationship or anything that you've done when you're trying to come to reconcile, you have this, all this idea, you hold that conversation, you analyze it, you build it, you do all those things. But I love what happens because um, in verse 20 and 24 it says, which Bible verse was that? That book. I didn't write it. Read the story of the prodigal son. You see it over there. <laughs> so he got up and went to his father. But when he was still on his way, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his finger and sandals in his feet. Bring the fattest calf and kill it. Let's feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive and lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Folks, that's who Jesus is. It doesn't matter what, what, where you've been or what has, done, what, what has gone in your life. 
It doesn't matter what has happened in the last years of your life. God is saying, I am not ashamed of what's going on in your life. Come back. And those speeches, you're thinking nobody's going to like you. Nobody's going to accept you. God is not going to accept you. He has already accepted it. He says, he says, the father was there waiting every single day, looking far so he can come home. And tonight I'm saying somebody needs to come home. I don't know who you are, but if you feel like you've been out there and you, there's no place for you, God is still waiting. See, I want to believe that everybody wants to come home, but there's fear that creeps them. They're wondering, what is my dad going to say? What are my friends going to say? What are my co-workers going to say? What are my neighbors going to say? What about my friends? I feel like if I keep it together so that nobody can see that my life is shaking and things are going out, then I'll be okay. But see, the thing is, unless you cry for help, we are not going to know that you need help. And honestly, most of us, or all of us who are here, we are sanctified. Most of us will come and hold you and walk you with you through this journey. If you go to a Christian, it's like, this is what, this is what I'm going through. Walk with me. They will walk with you. See, though he knows us, he's not ashamed of us. Why are you still carrying shame in your life? Though he knows us. And I'm not saying no, no, like just knowing. He knows the intentions of our heart. He's not ashamed of us. So why are you still carrying shame? And I know some of you may be listening, watching or listening. Might say, hey, I'm not a prodigal son, man. I've done everything right. I've done everything that I need. I've done, but I still found myself in that place. Maybe you identify with Simon Peter. Right? The story of Simon Peter, he says, um, he, he tells Jesus, he's like, Jesus, I will die for you. I will die for you. I will not deny you. In his heart, when you read those words, you realize that he was confident. He was super confident. He's like, God, it doesn't matter what happened. I will fight for you. Right? And the thing, in Matthew 26, 34, 34, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even if I must die with you, I will, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Right? <laughs> Did you guys realize the disciples, the other disciples said the same too? See, but life has a funny way of doing life, right? See, it's like, I was thinking about this verse, and I'm like, we have it together. We, 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 like Simon Peter, he's like, man, I've been hanging out with Jesus. I've, I've read my Bible. I've done my devotions. I've done all these things, right? And the moment come, we know what happened. But for us, think about it. We were coming to church. We had every group, every Bible study, every worship we are here. Every time we are here, we are doing our devotions. We are doing everything to stay in the lane, and we are going on. But then, like I say, life has a funny way of doing life. COVID hit. And now, those things that we were, were helping us grow, they're no longer there. Same thing as Peter. He was confident because he was next to Jesus. Because Jesus was there, he's like, yeah, man, you're always going to... In his back of his mind, he didn't even... Unconsciously, he was like, you know what? Regardless of what happens, you're with me, man. Right? I know you got my back. But then think about it. That's the same thing. I can come to church on Monday. I can come to church on Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. I mean Sunday. I can do Bible study. I can do all these things. But then COVID hits. 
and we are now isolated. And now we are driven back to our old sins. And we find ourselves in the same place that we had been before. We find ourselves in the same pit. And guess what the enemy does? Oh, see, you are playing church all that time around. You are not saved. What are your friends at work going to say? They watch you. They see what happens. You're going to try come and talk to them about Christ. Christ they're not going to listen to you. You can't even take care of yourself. How are you, how are you going to be able to take care of, of Christ? Right? And not that just at work. Even some homes. It's like, whoa, we thought you're going to lead us to, to God. Look at what happened. Right? But that's the shame I'm talking about. The devil wants to put shame. He wants to remind you those things. Yet, I said, he knows us and he says he's not ashamed of us. Yet he still knows our intentions in our heart. That's the God we serve. Folks, it's not too late. Just call, call on to Jesus. He says if you repent, he's your brother and sister. It's okay to come back. See, when you read about this, the Bible verse, the Bible about Simon Peter denying Jesus three times, even after he had promised him that he was going to give his life. When Jesus came back, Jesus did not rebuke him at all. If anything, he gave him responsibility. He said, feed my sheep. Right? Think about that. The devil is showing him, Peter, he's weeping and he's in grief and all that. And it's like, guess what? That is, this is the God we serve. He looks at the intentions of our heart. He says, come back home. I got you. I just need you to come because I knew, I know, I see you. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to carry you and continue to walk with you. He is not ashamed of you, even though he knows your heart. And one of the biggest things that brings us to shame is fear. That's my second point, fear. That was just an intro. I'll say like Pastor Matt, I give these examples so we can illustrate uh, things about the Bible. Not for you to use them against me. I'll put a finger in your thumb. I'm putting my thumb in your eye. Okay. If you take against me. Okay. <laughs> so I don't like heights. Okay. I just don't. I didn't say I'm scared of heights. I just don't like heights. Okay. That's, that. <laughs> That's just different. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Yes, exactly. I'm just smart enough to know that accidents happen. Right. So we, we, uh, my wife and I, Eva and the girls, we went on a hike. Um, actually, this weekend we went to Sheep Lake. And if you've been to Sheep Lake, it's Maurinia. So as you walk, I thought we were just going for a nature walk. You know, like it's, you know, I would do seven miles up, but those creep stuff, I, I just don't, don't like doing it, right? So we are walking and, and as we walk, I see how it snakes out. And you can see it. You can see like if you roll over, there's really no trees that could hold you. So pretty much if you roll over, it's over because you're going to go. There's a road down there. There's cars that are moving, you know. Like this, all this is playing in my mind, right? And I'm with my two daughters. I'm going to be brave, you know. I'm dad. Come on, right? <laughs> so we are walking. Simone and Alisa, Alisa and my, my youngest and, and Eva, they're just They are not even worried about anything but Simone and I. We are just cautious, right? <laughs> As we walk in. So we keep walking, and, and, and the interesting part with this is, Simone will be like, Dad, hold my hand. And I'll be like, Lord, I, I hope nobody checks my heartbeat right now. Cause <laughs> so so we, we kept walking, and we're walking, and, and like, you know, you tense up. And, 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 and the thing was, at that moment, I was thinking about it. I'm like, 
at this moment, my, my two girls are in front and I have my other girl. There is no option for me to go back. There is no option for me to go back. <laughs> I want to go back, right? <laughs> but there's no option for me to go back. And I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, I need a Bible verse or something. And all I could hear is like, do it in fear, do it in fear. And I'm like, okay, Lord, we'll do it in fear. Praise God, it wasn't like a mile of that. But honey, I'm not sure we're going to go back there. But anyways. Um, But I thought about it in the sense of, we are going to be scared of where we are. We're going to be scared of where we are going. When we look at the, when we look at where we are going right now, it's pretty scary if you want to believe that right now, right? What has happened already in 2020 and we're not even done is pretty scary, right? If this was an introduction for 2020, then really, you know, but in all seriousness, think about it. It is so easy for us to close up, to mask up and stay in our corner and not do anything. Right? It's, it's so easy for us to, to, to live our life in a way that if I do, if I go there, what are people going to think? If I go to church, if I go check on my neighbor, if I go do those things, what, what are people going to think? But the devil tells you, you need to stay here because if you get sick, then everything is over. Yet God says that we'll be bitten by snakes and it's not going to kill us. Yeah. Right? Fear is what is holding us back. See, the other thing too I learned from that as we walked in is we might be, so Eva and and Alisa, they were doing really well. It didn't matter to them. We were all walking on the same path. But Simone and I, we were struggling. So we can walk the same path, but our struggles can be different. So me trying to be jolly and happy as I walk behind them, that wasn't going to work for me. If anything, I felt like, you know, I had to like stay stiff and, and just walk right. But the point is, I still made it, right? And some of us feel like we need to, to have this persona that we can be like other people so then we can get to where we need to get. But God is saying, I know the intentions of your heart. I know what scares you. I believe as we walked there, God knew how I felt. Because I did cry to him a couple of times, right? (laughs) But he knew how I felt. But he still enabled me to get to that point. So sometimes we want to be like the other person. And there's nothing wrong with emulating somebody to be a Christian. But the issue comes in when we try to be like somebody else and try to do their work. Yes, God knows the intentions of our heart. Luke 18.38 says, And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. I'm talking about the man who was blind, sitting on a side. And then people are like, don't talk, don't call Jesus, man, that's Jesus. You don't call him. You, they, 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 you need to stay in your shame. You need to stay in your corner. Nobody's going to listen to you. He's not going to listen to you. He's not going to hear you. But the Bible says that he cried out even more so to God. And God says, what do you want me to do for you? 
That's a question for you today. If you cry out to God, God is going to ask you, God is actually asking you, what do you want me to do today? But you have to speak out. You cannot stay in that fear because that fear is going to keep you in prison. And guess what? He received his sight. So today I'm asking you, shout out the things that are going on in your life. Most will have the courage to say, I am sick and I need Jesus. Because that's the other thing too. Shame keeps us from saying what we are going through or, or what's going on in our life. We are like, I got it together. This man, if he sat over there and says, I got it together, he would never had his sight. But the minute he said, I am sick and I recognize that I'm sick and I need help. I need help. Then he was able to be helped. That's for somebody today. See, fear of people and their opinion would have kept him from healing. See, in this story and the prodigal son story, there's a conscious effort to do something. To push past the lies of the enemy. To push past shame and fear. And to keep your eyes on Jesus. He is not ashamed of you. Even though, even though he knows your heart. He is not ashamed of you. Even though he knows your heart. And my last point is this. Number three. Romans 1, 16, 17 says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For its power of God. For uh, for for. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes and to Jews first and also the Greek. For it is in the righteousness of God to reveal from faith to for faith for faith at reason. The righteous shall live by faith. Are you ashamed? And if you are not ashamed, the Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And Paul was speaking this in Rome. Where he's saying there is this Jewish person who is a healer. And he says, I am no ashamed to speak who God is. We need to shout out the name of God. When is the last time you shouted, you shouted past your fears? When is the last time you shouted past your fear? Because you knew who you were. Remember our first point is, who am I? And who God is. Psalm 66, 14, say, 1 to 4 says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the, sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to, say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come clinging to you. All the earth worship you and sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. Amen. When you think about it, shout joy to God. There's nobody who shouts like this. There's nobody who shouts under. Shout is something that is heard by people. Are you shouting joy for, to the Lord? And he says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing, with, sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Tonight we had glorious praise. Yes. Right? Sing him glorious praise. And guess what? When the enemy has shame in your heart, when he puts you on shame that you can't do it, you're not going to be able to shout. You're not going to be able to give God the glorious praise. Let the world know what God has done for you. Let the world know what God has done for you. Do not hold back his praise, man. And ladies, do not hold back his praise. Because guess what? Your praise will bring somebody to Christ. 
and they can praise. And then that praise is going to bring somebody else to Christ. And they can praise. And then it becomes a ripple effect. And now instead of all hearing is Corona, this vaccine, this, all these things, we are hearing of what God has done in the midst of this season. Because God has done amazingly abundantly more than we can ever think or imagine. Right? Do not be ashamed to give him praise. He is not ashamed of you, even though he knows your heart. He is not ashamed of you, even though he knows your heart. Hebrew 2, 11, 13 says, For he who sanctifies and who was sanctif- who, who are sanctified all have one source. And that's why he is not ashamed to call you brother. Saying, I will tell your name to my brothers. Not only am I going to say you are my brother, but I will tell all my other brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So if you sing praise to God, he will sing your praise among his brothers and sisters. And again, I will put my trust in him again. Behold, I and the children of God have given me. Let's close our eyes. Father, we come before your presence tonight, God. We worship you, Father, because your word, Lord, is so true, oh God. But Jehovah God, we are so grateful that you are not ashamed of who we are, God. And God, we've done some vile things in our life. We've thought some vile things, oh God. Our intentions are not any honorable, oh God. But yet, God, even though you know all those things, you still love us, oh God. And you're putting everything under our subjection, oh God. And even after we messed it up, oh God, you brought Jesus to still restore us to you, oh God. What a merciful God you are, Lord. And God, the enemy has tried, the devil has tried to keep us in shame, oh God. But I pray, Father, that this word will go forth today, God. It will be so, so strong in our hearts, Lord, to know, Lord, that you are not ashamed of us, oh God. If anything, God, you want us to you and you want us to reconcile us to you, oh God. So, mighty King of glory, Father, I come against that fear, that shame in the name of Jesus, God. And I cast it out of your people in the name of Jesus, Father. I pray, Jehovah God, that your spirit will continue, Holy Spirit, will continue to guide us and walk with us, oh God. To show us the direction that we should go, Father. Because I know, Lord, that we are willing, O King of glory. Our hearts are willing, oh God. And there's so much things against us, O King of glory, God. But we thank you, Father, because you say, you have overcome, oh God. You, Lord, you have overcome. And you have overcome for your people tonight, O King of glory, God. Lord, I pray, Father, for those who haven't given their heart to Christ, to you, Jesus. That Jehovah God, I know they cannot do these battles alone, O God. That even though they try, Father, they find themselves like the prodigal son, O God. And coming back becomes even harder, O King of glory, day by day, Lord. So I pray, God, that you may minister to their heart. And if that's you today, whether you're here or watching... This is a moment to say, Lord, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. That even the disciple who was loved by Jesus, who was close to Jesus, he still fell when the moment came. So that shows you that unless you have the Holy Spirit in us, you are not able. So if you haven't given a heart to Christ, I give you that moment right now. If you are here to raise up your hand and we can pray for you. And if you are online, same thing I say, pray and say, Lord, come into my heart and change me. Call me your brother. Allow me to be part of your brother and sister. Allow me to be your brother or sister, Lord. And if you say that prayer, 
Send us a message. We'll walk with you. There are people here who, who love Christ and just want to do life with you. And for the rest of us, wherever we are, you know where you are. Remember, He still loves you. He cares for you. He's not ashamed of you even though He knows your thoughts. He knows your, he knows your intentions. He knows all these things. Ask Him tonight. Ask Him tonight to restore your heart. To restore your mind. To restore you to the place you are. Ask Him tonight that even though there's been things that have carried you away, just like that prodigal son, that you may come home and He will hold you and He will clothe you and He will restore you and He will celebrate with you because that's who God is. Because that's the God we serve. Because that's Jesus who died on the cross so that we can have that hope. We praise you and we honor you, God. We pray that you may go with your people, Lord, that you may lead them and guide them. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.